0: Hey, listen up! Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top ten. We fear the turtle, so it's no other option. Fred and Brian, just watch them. Let's take it to the map. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. What's up, everybody? Fred, Ryan, it's Shell and Tell. We're back, bitches. Ah, it's been
1: so long. It has been. The holiday hiatus went a little longer than expected. (laughs) Yeah. got back from my trip with my wife's family, and then I was sick, and then it was the holidays, and who knows? But it doesn't matter. We're back to doing what we love to do.
0: That's right, man. (laughs) Sitting behind the microphones and talking Terps. Uh, So we got a lot to talk about on this show. Uh, We're going to start this episode off because we're going to do, I think... We'll see how this kind of plays out time wise. I think we're gonna end up doing two episodes. One that's gonna be basketball oriented and one that's gonna be football oriented. But uh, hey, if time allots us, we'll get it all into one show. Uh, but yeah, so we got a lot to cover with with this uh Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde basketball team that we got going on right now. Uh Things have been up and
1: down, to say the least, this squad. Apparently, our fans is the only thing that makes wins around here, because the way the road team has been real bad.
0: Yeah, but you know, we're going to talk a little bit about that, because it's not just been with the Terps; it's been pretty consistent in the Big Ten. I've got a stat that uh, a friend of mine pulled up that I thought was pretty, pretty telling about what's going on in the Big Ten.
1: I'm not loving anything that happens on the road. I think the refs have been eating us alive. I don't know. I I don't like anything I've been seeing out there.
0: Yeah, you or me both. Now, we got a lot to talk about with the athletic department. Uh, There have been some recent uh, videos and some recent clips out there from both Coach Loxley and uh, Damon Evans. Yeah, we talk
1: about the locked in, which is very cool. little inside look and the one Maryland report, which was very telling and getting us into the. 21st century of college athletics that's right
0: that's right and then with the football squad if we do get there on this show uh there's a lot of things happening with the squad a lot of new faces coming in a lot of new uh, commitments a lot of new recruits some potential names out there some interesting guys that uh, could really change this program's direction uh if we get a couple of these commits.
1: You know how it is. We're the Cowboys. We're the offseason champs, baby. We're going to have all that hope back by next year. That's we'll right. We'll see. We'll see. We'll go in hot and and happy and who knows <laughs> what it ends up. All
0: right. Well, let's kick it off with the basketball squad. Uh as the Terps today ended up playing Purdue uh at home at College Park. In front of Coach Locks and Jalen Hurts, which was kind of interesting.
1: Hey, you got you got powerful friends. You got to use them in the recruiting tools as you can.
0: That's right. That's right. Is there were some big names in the house with the football squad, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but yeah, the a Terps end up winning this game, fifty-seven to fifty, after a couple of tough road losses in the Big Ten, losses to both Iowa and Wisconsin. Again, I, I, this team has been very Dr. Jekyll Miss Hyde type, you know, squad this year. It's interesting to see like the potential in this team because you can see it game to game how strong this team can be, but then they can also flounder in the blink of an eye.
1: And all the road losses have not been made the same. I mean, Iowa within 10 minutes of the beginning of that game, I pretty much knew it was over. It was not going to, it was not going to happen. Wisconsin. I really, the whole time had faith that yeah. I was watching. I'm like, no, they're playing pretty well. They're going to get this in. I told Fred, I gave him a little update because he had missed the first half doing his, uh, his first love Birdland b s check that stuff <laughs> out um that that you know yeah we're we're behind, but they're playing well, and this should be a Maryland win, and it sure should have been until twelve seconds left, yeah <laughs>
0: it's unfortunate the way that game ended, but today's game um kind of saw a flip in the script as far as how this team performed. You know, this was a Purdue team coming in that had played hot recently. They had a big 29-point win over Michigan State. So, a, a very similar matchup to to us. It's similar in their offensive approach, similar in size. They're, you know, they're a good rebounding team, but they don't they're not a banging team down low like they don't have a real big presence scoring down low uh they rely heavily on their shooting and if they're shooting the lights out they're gonna put up a lot of points and if they're not they're not
1: yeah um, and we have seen a little bit improvement on our side of it with that mr uh jalen smith has been scoring more inside i can't say he's been a banger that's not right. his deal no but he has been taking some you know little short jump hooks and some some interior moves more than the just straight three ball but also his three ball is the best on the team right now. He's t- came out of nowhere. He couldn't hit the broadside of barn beginning of the year.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, even in this game, I mean, he had another good game with 18 points. He was eight of 13 from the field. He had 10 boards. His ninth double double of the season. Like you said, to your credit, playing more aggressive, which I like. But again, I kind of I, I took, <laughs> I kind of took ownership on this, and I just stopped criticizing him for the player that I want him to be, and just accept him for the player that he is. Because, look, if he's going to shoot 42% from three, I'm just not going to question it anymore.
1: No, absolutely not. It's, that He apparently knew that was in there. We hadn't really seen it, so I got angry every time he's just shot, shot three all the time. <laughs> Um, But, yeah, he is definitely one of the best shooters, as our other shooters have been slumping. With Wiggins kind of coming out of it a little bit, I'm not going to give him that full credit yet, but I'm happy to see where we're going. Yeah. And, you know, my favorite player on the whole team, Eric Ayala, might lose that title here shortly if he don't get it going. He he
0: looks like a shell of himself from what (sighs) he was last year. I
1: don't know what's happened. I really... You know, you, you guys have all heard my bold projections that he was going to be one of the all-time greats when it was all said and done, and uh, we'll have to see. Might be eating your know, words. Yeah, I might be eating my words pretty hard. Uh, I Still plenty of time to turn it around. He's still very young. He had a hell of a freshman season. If we can get back to that player, he can... Make up for it, no problem, in a, in a hurry.
0: Well, I know you had family obligations today, so you didn't get a chance to sit down and watch this game, but man.
1: That makes me so sad. I love Maryland games.
0: <laughs> what a totally <laughs> different game this was in the sense that this team came out and actually started really strong, jumping out to a 20-4 to 4 lead in the first half. Uh, ended up wrapping up the half at, at, with a 16-point lead at 36-20. to 20. Shot very well, shot 54% of the, from the field and 47% from the three in the first half Dante Scott was huge in this game I mean he had a career high in points in the first half I mean he had 11 points four or five from the field and two or three from three in this game just to start the first half
1: Well I'm glad to hear he's hitting threes because in that Wisconsin game I could not for the life of me understand why he was shooting threes yeah. I'm like you're you are our athletic monster that can go down low and score and has been proving it all year. And in Wisconsin, he was just lobbing threes and barely touching the rim. Right. Uh, so I'm glad that he he has that ability too and finally showed it. But I like to see him down that low post because he has the body for it.
0: No, I agree with that. He's, he's definitely uh, one of those project-type players. Like you can see, he's got a ton of potential, and I think – with the right coaching and the right attitude, which it seems like he has, and the work ethic, which it seems like he has, he could end up being uh, a star here at Maryland in the next couple of years. It's going to take him a little while because he's raw, but you see the drive and you see the hustle that he has, and he's on another level with that.
1: Speaking of project-type players, it just happened me this thought the other day. I was watching these highlights, the Anna Hawk highlights, and you have the lob pass <laughs> from Herter to yeah. Bruno for the, for the runaway dunk and the winning three-point shot for Herter. How weird is it that they both would still be eligible? If they played four years, they would both be on this squad, and we wouldn't be having any of these conversations. We'd be the number one team in the freaking country and winning by 30 points a game.
0: A lot of colleges (laughs) could say that same (laughs) thing. If we only had this guy and we only had that guy still. (laughs) I don't think a
1: lot of colleges can say that same thing. But, yes, there are are 10 (laughs) colleges in the country that could say that same thing. But uh,
0: in this game, though, defense... Uh, something that we've played very good all year with we that's the one thing you can hang your hat on with this basketball team uh, is they've been a very good fundamentally sound defensive team Uh, they don't really leave guys open very often they swing around and cover their guys very well you saw that in this game I mean they held Purdue to 32 percent from the field in the
1: first half 0 for 6 from 3 which is a big part of the reason the Terps were able to get out such a big lead yeah that's that's big well that's but we've been on the wrong side of that a few games where we're Getting the over from 3 really get hurt in our starts. Right.
0: So I, I kind of went into halftime in the mindset that, man, the Terps are going to run away with this game. Like, there's no question in my mind that the Terps are going to win this game. They're such a second-half team, and for them to do as well as they did in the first half, this is a no-brainer. Terps are going to run away with this for a 20-40 to 40 point lead. You know, that's, that's just how my mindset was. But they only come out in the second half and only score 21 total points in the entire second half, and they kind of went into this almost like – I don't know, like a prevent basketball mindset where they were just kind of running the clock down as close as they could get to zero, forcing shot ups, you know, it's passing up good opportunities, not really, you know, taking what's given to them and just running the clock down just to kind of because they had the lead. And they felt like, well,
1: we've never been in this position yet. We've never had this kind of lead at the half. Maybe this is how we should operate. It just seemed weird to me. Yeah. And did they run that terrible lob play they did six times at Wisconsin over no. and over again until they got destroyed? No, I didn't oh, see that. that. All right. And I have one more question for you here. Yeah. Since, like again, I unfortunately did not get to see this, but it's probably good for my own health because you know how I feel about Purdue and their Bond villain centers they've had for the last decade. <laughs> how is Matt Harms in here? Did he beat us up?
0: No no, I mean honestly um I mean he had a decent game in this game, but nothing there really wasn't anybody that was dominating in this game. I mean like I said Wiggins was showed flashes in this game Jalen Smith showed flashes in this game, but nobody on the Purdue side to me jumped off the page as a dominant player and,
1: and you know I think we did very well defensively against everybody That's good to hear it's it's bad for my emotional health to watch their Bonville seven foot tall centers that they've had for decades yeah. But it's
0: just – it's kind of it's kind of concerning. Again, I, this is one of those things that frustrates me with the team that, you know, I, I hate passing on an open opportunity, you know, and and seeing these four shots and bad shots. It's something that – I don't care if they're doing it in the first half or the second half. It's something they got to get away from. And it was something that – you know, I, I'm not a big hater on Mark Turgeon. We're going to talk about him in a little while. But it's something that's frustrated me because I feel like this has kind of been – the mindset of all Turgeon's teams.
1: Yeah, well, individually on this Turgeon team, the one person I've seen this in a lot again is my favorite player, Eric Ayala. I've seen yeah. him just wide open threes, and he's either passing on it or he's driving. You took that shot ten out of ten times last year. Um, and then we also, when we we went to the Indiana game, what was my number one complaint there? Right, we're, we're good the ball is still on the rim getting rebound, and Eric Ayala is walking slowly backwards to the to the backcourt, like. Right. I, I don't understand where his head's at, but it it's gotten to the point where it is not a – we know it's not an ability thing because we watched it all his right. freshman year. Right. There's something in his head right now. We need a sports psychiatrist. <laughs> we, need, we need somebody to take care of this because my man has got talent and skill, and we need him back. If we're going to make any run, Eric Ayala has to at least be the sixth man on this team.
0: Well, you talk about head cases – And you and I haven't had a chance to really sit down and talk about this yet. It has been. It's been a while since we've done a show, so there's a lot of things that have happened, uh, a lot of situations that have come up over that time that we need to dive into. Quick, I want to get your thoughts on the departure of the Mitchell Twins.
1: So these Mitchell Twin departures hit me a little harder than most. I know I bring it up a lot, but I am of a... father of identical twin they are my girls uh you know recruit eligible 2035 as i always say (laughs) um so i think back and i don't know if anybody remembers this and i've looked for the clip a thousand times i wanted to put it on the show i believe it was the harvard game in the orlando invitational and the announcer talked about the mitchell twins and said how it's a big thing in coaching most people don't want to coach twins or brothers it's a big problem um for team chemistry. And I'm kind of blew it off. This, that, and the other, he talked about all these other things related to it. Um, but then they also talked about how um, turgeon had brought these guys in. He had split up their rooms. Didn't I was going to say, together. I thought I heard that. Yes. It's, yeah. It was, there was, so they were, they were uh, bunking with other players on the team, not themselves trying to, to curve some of these twin issues. Well, apparently none of that worked. It still was the same thing that I, I I've been looking into and, For me, it almost makes me question some parenting things here. Like, apparently there is an issue with facilitating independence in this group because it came true way too quickly. Like, we couldn't make it through one season with these guys. That's really, really bad. So, I mean, I don't know if I got to take individual vacations with my kids. I don't know (laughs) if we need just, like, daddy-daughter days with each individual one or (laughs) maybe mom takes one girl and I take the other. But we got to figure out a way to not have complete codependence through adulthood, which technically these guys are. And if you are always throwing everyone else under the bus for brother just because you want to drag brother to the next school with you, that's that can't be okay.
0: I mean, I get what you're saying to a point. Now, this is coming from somebody who's an only child. I don't have a sibling, yet alone a twin. But everything I've always heard about, especially twins, identical twins like that, is they have this unexplainable connection with each other that almost – we, one feels what the
1: other feels. That, that's, you know, yeah, that was part of the point. Was if one's sad, the other's sad. Right. Ones, you know, not playing, the other ones. Yeah, about playing I, I don't time.
0: think. I don't think parenting. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't think parenting has a big deal with that. I mean, that's just. I guess the nature of the beast when it comes to twins. I thought it was very interesting when I heard that same thing that they were bunk- bunking with separate people, that they were splitting yeah. them up like that. I'm like, Christ, these kids have been together since they were in the womb. Like, well, and, noticed, and here they are in college and now you're trying to split them up. That's kind of weird. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, I know a lot of things um, recommend that you do this like in school. So like when my girls go off to kindergarten or first grade or whatever, that they would split them up into separate classes, you know, play on separate teams. Um, so there's definitely some psychology behind it. Um, and a, Apparently we didn't. I mean, I don't know what their their history was. I know that they played for five teams in four years, and now they'll be on six teams in five years. Um, so I guess since they were all on the same teams for all of those, that means probably mommy had them all in the same classes and had them all in the same and didn't didn't follow the the psychology. I'm I mean I'm connecting one and one to make three here, but no, I get you. But most likely that's that's been the the path, and I just. I want to try to avoid that because, again, sometime in life, you're going to have to be separate. Well, you,
0: you bring up their mother. Uh, their, their, their mother their torched mother, us. Their mother has been very vocal on social media, um, lashing out at not just Turgeon, but the university, and just, yeah. um, you know, a, a scorned parent, kind of upset, I guess, about the whole situation. Now, I mean, there could be some truth to what she's complaining yeah. about, too. And, and I think part of that was her, her point was that. It was a package deal with her twins no matter where they were going, and she was misled and misdirected because it sure seems that Turgeon really had a favoritism towards one and didn't want the other, and at least that's how she sees it as. But all she
1: had to do was look at every rating system across the country and every article about anything. That said, Makai was a, a much better player than Mikkel. I agree Every with that. Day. I
0: agree with that. But you and I have said on multiple shows since this season started that there hasn't been this glaring difference between the two.
1: But I'm starting to wonder why. Like, was <laughs> did did he tank for his brother? Like, as as bad as this has gone, was he was he like sandbagging it on the floor? And that's part of the part of the issue. I don't know. It's very it's very weird to me. That it went bad so quickly. Now I don't know if
0: it's been official yet or not. I know that there were some rumblings about them potentially joining the Hoyas down at Georgetown. Has there well, been they anything need a come they need that? a
1: whole freaking squad because their whole yeah. team got uh, pinched for breaking and entering a robbery or some garbage. Right. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'll they'll end up down there, but I, I don't think they can really do anything. It's mid season, um, so they won't be eligible to next year anyway. So not even seen anything official. Just that they were visiting them. Um, It just hurts, I think, from a basketball standpoint. I mean, selfishly,
0: you know, like I said, I've always been somebody that likes a team that can play outside in, can get the ball inside and dominate down low, high percentage shots, right? And these were two kids that I thought had the size to be able to dominate down low. They were freshmen. It was going to take time for them to get stronger, get used to playing in the Big Ten, that kind of thing. But we just don't have anybody on the roster that can bang down low, and you know, obviously, uh, that's another topic that that uh, kind of f- falls in line with this. And part of the reason that the Twins ended up transferring was the the return of Chole Mariel coming back from injury and going to be getting some playing time and all of that. This is a kid that very highly touted out of high school, seven foot two. I mean, he's obviously huge as far as length goes. But another kid that is built like a bag of sticks, and another kid that just doesn't have the physical weight and the physical strength down low to bang low, uh, he's kind of gotten off to a slow start as they've kind of gradually gotten him into to, into playing time.
1: Yeah, I mean, so this guy has not had any any ability to get into game shape. He's been thrown to the Wolves. You true, know? very true. That was not true with the Mitchells. But if you look at the Mitchells, like points per minute, rebounds per minute, Trolls already replaced them. He's already taken taking care of it now he's not playing the same number of minutes they are I didn't see him at if, all in this game like uh, well yeah I'm just looking at year averages here on, on right. this chart but yeah, yeah if he already replaced him and and even my wife not a basketball connoisseur is sitting here with troll he looks so awkward he's not in the right spot he looks like he's he doesn't know where he is which is all true like He is a little overwhelmed by the game right now. He's making up for it because he's got an 8-foot wingspan, and so he doesn't have to be in the perfect position to make the perfect play every time. Um, I also have heard a lot of talk about Turge putting in a 2-3 zone, which I think would be perfect for this guy because he just has to slightly react on time and use that 8-foot wingspan to dominate the middle, and he has to think less. And even even if he doesn't think at all, if you just have your wing players call out when he needs to help on that side, all the thoughts done for him he's got to react with his shot blocking abilities he's the kind of guy last year we had way less fouls inside and the reason that was was you watch daryl coming across d and up somebody and if he got behind he just let it go because he had faith that bruno was going to be there putting that into the third row right if same thing with cowan you just saw him like just I'm i'm just done playing defense hopefully somebody's there chole has that ability the offensive ability of bruno it's not there yet. Maybe maybe someday way down the road, I think he'll probably go Chol. Yeah, Chol. Yeah, I think that he'll probably be in the NBA before he develops that kind of, or G League before he develops that kind of offense. But if we have a couple of years with troll he could develop that. But immediately, he can have that kind of ability on shot blocking. They just need to get the trust involved, and they need to get a defense in the right spot where they can do that.
0: Well... Yeah. That's also going to take a lot from Mark Turgeon and the coaching staff. You know they got to get him up the game speed and they got to get him uh, up to team speed. You know as far as communication goes, like you said, being in the right places, those types of things. So you know, obviously we have a couple months still. uh, Well, actually a little over a month uh, before March before we get the tournament time. Do you think that that's enough time where we could see maybe more consider like considerably more minutes come from Chole? As we get closer to tourney time.
1: I sure hope so. I mean, we we saw last year with Sticks where they were giving him extra weight room duty, right. things like that. Um, I think Troll is significantly behind where Sticks was um, as far as physical. Well, he, he needs th- more than just health, strength training. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he needs weight and he needs to be practicing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, this is what he looks like with not playing in two years. So... The amount of basketball he's playing right now is is more than he's played since his sophomore year of high school. Right. I mean, so every day he has the ability to improve, and he was a top-five player in the country as a sophomore. Right. So he has, he has the ability. I don't know if March is fast enough. I'm still out here hoping we get a second year with him because i think that he could be an absolute monster by next oh we'll March. absolutely he get could a second be. year out of him
0: there's nobody that's going to come knocking this
1: early for that guy he unless somebody you know who else we said that about kevin herter and where is he challenged. yeah but
0: kevin herter was a shooter day one he was there, a shooter there, day there was, one but there's nobody. nothing about chole Merriel that says nba right now other than seven foot two with and that, an eight foot wingspan
1: that's but, it but that's the potential is there and that's all kevin herter was was potential and he's uh, I mean he had not shown it at Maryland. The only reason he went to that NBA combine was because they came up with a new rule that you could come back. If that rule that you can come back was there, he'd still be sitting on the team. He's Tol Marial is still still in my opinion at
0: least one full season away from being NBA ready or even having a team consider him NBA ready because it'll be way too small of a sample size. The little bit of limited minutes that he's playing right now isn't showing him anything. Like you said, he looks lost out there as of right now. He needs a full off season of working with the team developing his 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 skill set because let's face it with all the injuries he's had back in the high school yeah it's been a long time since this guy's played basketball yeah he, as
1: is, athletically he has athletically gifted no skill right. right
0: as athletically gifted as he is it's been a long time since he's played basketball i think he needs a full off season of training getting himself healthy learning how to play now on his his you know operated on legs you know there's a lot to that yeah. Uh, developing the strength and everything that goes along with that. So that's just my take on it. I don't think anybody's going to take a waiver this year on Shoal. We may see that next year. Uh, I'm just, so I don't think I'm that's just something
1: the, to worry about. I'm just a beaten Maryland fan that's ah, expecting the next shoe to drop. That's all well, that is. <laughs> speaking,
0: speaking of uh, beaten Maryland fans, and I get it, and I understand why there's a lot of fans that are frustrated with Mark Turgeon um, just because this is kind of the same old story. We've seen this year in and year out where – these highly anticipated and these highly high expectation teams just don't ever seem to live up to the expectations that are put on them nationally. And if you listen to any of the national pundits out there, they'll all tell you that this team is super talented. They have a ton of talent on this team. They just can't get it together while they're, when they're on the court. So a lot of fans are are clamoring for Mark Turgeon's head, saying that hey, at the end of the day, if you're not a good X's and O's coach and you can't get these guys to play organized basketball, then maybe you're not the right guy for the job. You and I haven't had a chance to talk a whole lot about our our individual feelings on Bark Turgeon, but I'll let you go. What's your take on Turgeon as a coach?
1: You know, frankly, I don't, I haven't came to my conclusion on Turgeon completely, and I don't think there's a reason to. My biggest thing is We've, we're going to talk about more and we can talk about now this facilities deficit that we're at they've already talked about this year. Right. This $35 million training facility that they're building, that's not going to make us the next great thing. It's just going to get us even with the people we're competing with. And it's like, bringing us up to the times. It's bringing us up to the times. Like the, If you watch the, the, the release of, of you know Turgeon being so excited about that, that and Kathy Reese being so excited about Before that. Before
0: you get into depth with that, Explain to the fans out there that might not understand the importance of having this athletic facility. What's the difference in what they're doing now to having this off or this athletic facility?
1: Well, that's yeah. The the inside out was presented at that, at that hearing was that they're having to schedule their practices around volleyball, around wrestling, around all these things that nobody on this microphone or nobody's listening to this podcast cares about. Like, nobody thinks about the field hockey's practice nobody thinks about even though they're great and they're winning national championships and they're the reason we can get some of this stuff nobody pays attention to it it's just football and basketball and it's barely football at maryland except for me and you that love it (laughs) um so i don't think that you can bring another coach in right now with these facilities that are well below par have him have this learning curve of trying to get all the inside and outs and all the relationships with the other coaches on campus and all the things they have to work out to in order just to have practice time. Oh, I want to play devil's advocate because Gary
0: Williams was able to do that in his time here with less.
1: I don't think any other schools, well, I'm sure that Ohio State and the big boys still did. I don't think that the arms race was where it is. I think that these are all – new things and new things that you're competing with my my thing is if you want a new great coach it would be so much easier and such a better job advertised if you wait two years and that carrot you're dangling on a stick is bigger and shinier with this 35 million dollar facility agree instead of just the name of Maryland Agreed. like right now we're growing this carrot let it be like I get that everybody wants to win and win now we're Maryland frankly we've talked about this in the past Maryland is a good to great school and everyone thinks they're great to epic school like like we're a top 25 program that's what we're supposed to be yes have we failed with that under turgeon and it's really sad sure but everybody that thinks we're duke and kentucky is just a little out of their out of their gourd like that's no, not who we are with that. and and so i think a lot of people now the general public is starting to get fed up with with turgeon but until we have the facilities and the ability to really take a jump and know we're getting the guy like if if right now maryland's job came open you could get good coaches to come here but you can't get the top coaching option in the country someone's going to outbid you for him someone's going to have better options to be offered for you're not gonna you're not gonna get that guy he'll he'll stay at his high level mid-major and wait for the duke and kentucky to open up
0: maybe i mean but you might have some people out there that say you know it might not take that type of a coach to turn this program around. Because if we're talking about where Mark Turgeon's deficiencies are, it's getting his team prepared and having his team division one, big 10 basketball ready. Like they, to me look less prepared than a high school basketball team. Sometimes when they're out there on the court and you could throw up all the excuses that you want about practice facilities and timing and trying to work around all these things. I think it's BS. Do how 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 we rank versus some of these other schools out there, the Kentucky's of the world, the Dukes of the world. You're right, we're playing behind the times, but that's more of a recruiting tool than it is for the most part. I it's think,
1: a miracle that we're recruiting over some of these schools. And that's, I agree with that,
0: and that's, that's that's his strength, right? <laughs> that's his strength. But at the end of the day, I don't give a damn about the names that you're bringing in here if you can't get the results out of it. Gary Williams, in his time here, was able to get so much more out of less, out of lesser athletes that I personally think if they had a coach in here that had stronger Local ties, a la uh, Mike Loxley at in the football program, that there's so much talent basketball-wise in the DMV Philly area that you'd be able to recruit a good squad locally and be able to compete on a national level. Then you add in the fact that
1: the coach would actually be strong at X's and O's. These local boys, I love them. I love Morsell's toughness. I love Dante Scott's toughness. But we're going out into the Midwest and getting the shit kicked out of us by little farm boys, and I don't I don't get I it. I don't know why. It's size. Hot, these hotbeds of of talent are great, but it's not working. And I don't know if it's terrible coaching or forget it, I'll say racist coaching when we go out there or and, and we're playing against four white guys on their squad. But I, I I something's really bad. I I I know that everybody's losing on the road, and I I get that, but. The talent difference is so epic. How in the world? I get the Wisconsin loss. I do. It it shouldn't happen in my mind. We're close. I don't get being smoked by Iowa. You can't cannot get the crap kicked out of you by these little kids from Iowa City. Who are they? How is that possible?
0: Well, on the flip side of that, a powerhouse that is always in the top rankings of the Big Ten. Michigan State just got the snot beat out of them. By Purdue, a team that we just beat by seven today. Yeah, that's so crazy. It, that's what I'm saying. I don't like, understand it. The 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 parity in the Big Ten is kind of all over the place. This I understand as a fan base, we're focused on the Terps and we're focused on what's going on here at home. But a lot of the problems that we're having here at home are pretty consistent with a lot of other schools as well. There's a few out there that are exceptions that you know year in year out they just get. Five-star recruit after five-star recruit after five-star recruit, throw them out in basketball court, and they end up doing well. I will say, um,
1: I think Turgeon's biggest failure might end up in recruiting. Like, his number one excuse every year is, we're just so young. We're just so young. Well, whose fault is that, Turge? Like, I get that you thought Herder was going to be here. I've given you that excuse. But that's only one player. How in the world was our roster construction such that we never have seniors on this squad? Like there's always supposed to be a couple glue guys that are supposed to be here three, four years. You gotta you gotta right. build some some strength, some old man strength, some like glue guys that know how the program runs and keep them through. How last year we had one senior in Checo, well, the only one senior that played in Checo, and then this year we got the one senior that plays in Cowan. How right. how is that continuing to happen? Where where did we mess up the roster construction and not build for the long term? Right. Well, I agree with that. I mean, next year, obviously, I think we're going to
0: see how that holds up. We're going to have a shit ton of juniors at that point and seniors. No, the Uh, only
1: junior we have that plays is Daryl Marcel. Junior? Next year? He's a junior right now, so he'll be a senior next year.
0: year. I said next year we'll have a bunch of juniors. A bunch of juniors. juniors You'll you'll still
1: only have one senior. Right, but you were saying three or four-year guys. I'm saying we'll have a ton
0: of junior and seniors next year. So we'll see how that plays out. But then the other part of it. And I think you kind of touched on this a little earlier too is the financial situation at Maryland. You know, you, you Turgeons do uh, you know, a decent payday that if the you know the team was to just let Turgeon go. Still have to pay him seven million,
1: I think it you, was. Yeah,
0: seven million somewhere in that neighborhood, then you still gotta find the funds to be able to pay another head coach to come in here. Four million
1: here. a year on top of
0: that. Exactly. And we're already refinancing things to try to get facilities up to where they need. They just don't have the money to be able to do so. No. I know <sighs> I know we all hope and wish and 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 pray that there'll be money trees growing at the university. I think this the the bigger story here is the lack of the support from the alumni, the lack of support from the fan base. You know, I mean I'm not one with deep pockets that can give out a ton of money. I know you're not one with deep pockets that can get out a ton of money, but I know you do every year with 12 tickets, you support the football program. You're there every game, buying food, buying drinks, every
1: game. Yep. Um, we but- bought away games through the, through the uh, university this year. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, uh, yeah, it's not just me cutting checks and I have before we have, we have given, we don't, we haven't given crazy numbers, um, but we also go to the benefit dinners a lot, things right. like that to, to try to support. Um, and we, we the one Maryland report showed that we're second lowest in spending in the Big Ten. The one below right. us, Rutgers, who frankly is kind of like us. We're not Big Ten schools yet. We're not really there,
0: right? But my point is, we're a very results-driven fan base. When the results are good, the fan base is out there full full, full force, and they're supporting the program full force. Right. So if you know that on a saturday (laughs) on you if you know that about your fan base and you know that about your alumni then you've got to make do with what you have and you gotta you gotta you gotta get the best out of what you've got and i just think from a basketball perspective all the recruits that Turgeons brought in here have been great they've all been highly recruited but you're just not getting the results out of them that you're expecting but how many
1: how many buffs do you have out of this
0: Depends on what you label as a bust. I mean, if you're looking at the team, I mean, there's plenty of teams. How many teams have we talked about that have come in here ranked in the top ten, top fifteen that never finish in the top ten, top fifteen, never get beyond the Sweet Sixteen in the tournament since Turgeon's been here? I'm, how many times have we gotten beyond the Sweet Sixteen with Turgeon?
1: But how many times before that? It was two back to back years with Gary Williams that were great. We went a national championship and then. We fail to come <laughs> just back. Just glance
0: over the fact that we won a national championship but, and we went to the final four the year before that. That's like, what I'm it was, saying. Th- it was
1: two great years. Right. But, like, before that, we were not this bad, but we were pretty much It was happy to get to the, the Sweet 16. We had
0: the same type of results, if not better, with less recruits. My point.
1: We did have less recruits.
0: You're right. That's uh, my point. That's my point. Now, I know things have changed at the college game. The one and done's, all that kind of stuff. Like there's there's been a lot that's the changed. recruiting
1: has developed a lot. Yes. So when you're getting lesser recruits in the early nineties than lesser recruits now, like we know a lot about these high school kids. They're playing basketball 365 days a year now. They're not just in gyms. Like you could find diamonds in the rough a lot easier back then. Pretty much now, there's so much tape on these guys. There's so much uh time spent on on recruiting and money spent on recruiting that you kind of know who's who recruiting right. is much bigger part of it i feel like now than it was then i know they were still people dedicated to it as their full-time career but I mean, the online databases and the the YouTube videos that make it so easy to find everyone. Yeah, it, it's just a it's a different world.
0: No, oh, I I completely agree with that. We talked a little bit about alumni, uh, and none bigger than SVP Scott Van Pelt. There was an announcement the other day on online that uh, he's going to end up moving his home to to his D.C. based studio uh, for ESPN, bringing his show and everything here. I think that'll be good for many reasons. I think it'll bring national attention to the university to the program at a local level we talked about that at minnesota you know there was live tv broadcast prior to the games you know pregame shows that kind of stuff i'm not saying that maybe scott van pelt's going to host those type of shows but hey if they've got somebody like that here locally it's not out of the realm to happen
1: yeah absolutely not and i also think it's be big to keep um some of our maryland greats coming back to to the school with him so when scott van pelt uh, Announces this he uh talked about it on his uh, SV pod that he's that he started up nice. um, and he's talked about how being in Bristol Connecticut it's hard to get great guests you don't have a lot of pro teams rolling through that that sort of thing being in DC you're gonna have people coming in to play the Wizards, you're gonna have people coming in to play the Redskins the Ravens all these things there so you know when you got Diggs coming through to play the Redskins you can have he'll probably end up on SVP and maybe they catch a game together you you know got You know, the Hawks coming in town, they maybe see on SVP and they catch a game together. Right. Try to keep these guys a little bit more involved. Some of them are already involved. Some are already showing up to the squad. But our, you know, tertiary players that, you know, show up one game a year or whatever, maybe it'll be a little bit different. And that helps with your funding base and everything else and your big names and keeping people relevant. I mean, just just, you know, Darnell Savage. Nobody Nobody is out there talking every day about he's a great Maryland player, but when you see him on Scott Van Pelt and you're not a avid Maryland fan, you go, Oh, he went to Maryland and he's doing great things in the NFL. Right. You're just kind of casually building the Maryland brand, especially with football there, because Maryland basketball already has probably a better brand than they have a product currently. Right. Um, so that's that's kind of my benefit I see for it. And it's it's always great to see SVP in in, in the stands. Yeah, he was he's, there tonight. He's that guy that just like after no matter what he can do whatever he wants to do you know he's 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 not the wealthiest man in the world but he's doing great for himself yeah, and he's a absolutely. he's a face and he still comes back and he still supports even when he was in Bristol he's like I'm probably two planes to get to each, each of these games every time <laughs> but uh, but now he's right down the road and he'll be there and and supporting and hopefully he'll get some big names in the stands with him and we can really really move this on
0: and that's that's what I want to see you know like I said earlier I think we just. <laughs> If we want to see the results that everybody hopes for, we got to go out there and support them. As a fan base, as alumni, everybody needs to pull together uh, and support the university that uh, you know a lot of you guys went to uh, and supported when things were good. Hey, times might not be great right now, but if you want them to turn around, we do play a part in that.
1: Yeah, and I think the big thing of getting it to turn around is right now, you know, I've been – no supporter of Damon Evans on this show yeah. uh, but I do think that a lot of things that he's been talking about a lot of things he's been doing is going in the right direction which brings us into this one Maryland report. Yeah. So my um my my synopsis of the one Maryland report which everyone and out here knows is basically on top of the crazy Coalfield House renovation and on top of the $35 million basketball renovation from private donors which they've already gained 21 million of support for. They are spending fifty-four million dollars on non-revenue sports. Um, Fred and I saw in Minnesota yeah. that we are way behind in all infrastructure of college athletics. I mean, every sport you could think of had an arena. Yeah. They had a volleyball arena. They had a curling arena. They had a you know, the football stadium right there. It's all together. It was all its own had own box offices. Its own everything. Right. And 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 very impressive. And we don't. And that I mean, was the
0: University of Minnesota.
1: That was Minnesota. This is not. <laughs> this is not Ohio State. This right. Is not Penn State. This is not Michigan. These are not the big boy blue buds of the Big Ten. And Minnesota, like we talked about on our Minnesota um, episode, we went with the away game, is one of the ones that we don't have the excuse of. Well, there's so much else to do here. It's a big city. This, that, and the other. No. Minnesota is the comparable to us. It really is. Like I was happy to have that be the be our first trip because you know dc obviously is the center of the universe pretty much you got between there and tyson's corner with all the all right. the world powers getting together and doing their things but it's still just the whole big city atmosphere minnesota has an nfl team minnesota has a hockey team minnesota has an nba team like so you can't use that argument that well you're not going to get the fan support this that and the other well apparently it's there and and they have time to cover it on the news and they have time to have the morning show and they have time to get the people in the stands so we can get to that point. Right. You just need to you need to grassroots this. You need to get into the younger generations. You need to, you know, build up your facilities. So I, again, goes back to the Turgent thing. Why would you throw away $7 million to try to save the next two years of basketball when that $7 million could go into an infrastructure that's going to last the next 40 to 50 years? And that would
0: be the only hesitation, in my opinion, that I would have in getting rid of Turgeon right now. We know that the leash is only another two more years on Turgeon. By those two years, these athletic facilities and, and, and Will the Will at financials. least be under construction or right. done. exactly. So hopefully at that point we can reevaluate things and see which direction we go in. That's—, that's Yeah, and you'll completely be— and you'll be yeah.
1: deep into the big 10 money and you can go out there into that you know 4 to 5 million dollar coaching range and right. have all these shiny dangly things to show them and get the top recruit who you want not like well the the fans are mad so we have to get them somebody else like cuz that's what I feel the reaction would be right now is like it's kind of like the the firing of Durkin because Twitter went crazy. Right. Like, right now, Twitter's going crazy, so we got to fire Turge. You know, obviously, Durkin had some more stuff that actually mattered with the firing and not just losing on the road, but still, <laughs> they brought him back, and Twitter said no, and they just went with that. You right. know, and and that's kind of, I feel a little bit of that. I get that there, this is not irrational. I get there's problems with Turgeon. I get that he is not succeeding how we think he should, but... I just don't think the logical, financial, and long-term benefit of the team would be to bench this guy for somebody else right now because I think you um, immensely improve your position in the next two years.
0: I can't disagree with anything you're saying. A lot of my questions, a lot of my statements were more so playing devil's advocate because there are a fan base that
1: agrees with what you say and then there's a fan base that disagrees with it and most of the people that are that see it my way just don't talk that's that's that's, that's, the people that are angry are out there on twitter it's kind of like the reviews you don't leave a review when you're pissed off at a place you had a good time you're not getting on the internet and doing a review nothing
0: more true than the group chat that we're in oh yeah exactly i was just gonna bring that up
1: the group chat we're in when we win a game there's like three comments when we're losing it's 600 comments deep about everything what's going wrong what's uh, it's (laughs) it's 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 i mean it's that's just how life is when you're enjoying it you're just gonna sit there and enjoy it when you're when you're frustrated you're gonna bitch whine and moan
0: yeah (laughs) it's i mean relating it to a ravens thing not to take it on another spin but you know it it took uh, it took lamar to have an mvp type caliber year to silence a whole bunch of critics and all the hater fans out there but the minute he lost that game in the all playoffs back. they all, all came well. out of the fucking woodworks man like crazy but look we're going to cut this show short it's it's 45 minutes in so we are going to do a second episode so be on the lookout for the second show that we're going to kind of dive into the football program take a look at uh, some incoming recruits some potential recruits still out there the current status of the program we're going to talk a little bit about Locked in with Loxley, the the show that he put out there, which was a, a really cool episode. If you haven't seen that, go on YouTube, check that out. Uh, appreciate you guys for tuning in. Make sure you follow the podcast on all of our social media platforms. Follow us on Facebook. On Twitter, you can follow the show at Shell and Tell Pod. Follow Ryan at Terps B Follow me at Fred B L B S. You can find the podcast on all your popular platforms out there between Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart Radio, and more. Appreciate you guys tuning in as always.
1: Ryan, sign us off. All right, guys, until next time, here's the wishing all is well under the shell.